0: Well, let's see. Mark chapter 4, and we are going to be in verse 35. So let's get there. Mark 4.35. All right. Bible says, On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were with them also. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your love, for your word. We ask that you will open our eyes to see to see the storms in our life so that we can have faith through them all. Not clutching to the sides of the ship, not trying to, to row with the oars or to worry about the sails or to steer it through the storm, but to cling to you. Father, we love you and we thank you, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, oh man, I got some questions for you this morning. So the first question I got is, who who said, let's go to the other side? Who was it? Jesus, right? Jesus was the one that said, let's cross over to the other side. That's how this thing starts off. So when Jesus says that, right there, the people ought to have an understanding that are getting into the boat, hey, we're going to the other side because Jesus said so. That's one of the first things that should happen. Now, these storms that picked up over here in the Middle East, down in the Sea of Galilee, you know what they do? They happen almost instantaneously. The, the, The water, this giant lake called the Sea of Galilee, is surrounded by mountains, and apparently... A storm can come down this mountainside, get on the water almost instantaneously. That's what these people were facing right here. So the fact that these folks here were professional fishermen and afraid in a boat says a lot. But Jesus starts off with them right away. He says, let us go to the other side. This is his plan they're going across to the other side for his purpose because he's the boss of the crew. I want you to keep that in mind. It was Jesus' idea. Now, the next thing we see was in verse 36. Who else was going through it? Pay attention. What does that say? What's that verse say? They had left, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Right? What, what does that next sentence say? And with him there were what? Other little boats with him. Other little boats. How many of y'all realize that there were other little boats in this story? Because so often we think about, man, it must have been bad in that boat. There were boats smaller than the one that we're talking about. How scared do you think they were going through this storm? I mean, how many of y'all ever been in canoes? How many of you ever been in a kayak? All right, we got a little, little more daring than a canoe, I guess. Our Sunday school class went canoeing not too long ago. Several of us went, and several of us figured out a way to sink a kayak. I didn't know that was possible, but I think I was one of them, figured out how to sink a kayak. And there's another guy who... Took on water almost instantaneously. Second we got in the water, off of the shore, within 15 seconds, he realized he wasn't as buoyant as he thought he was. And the water wasn't even moving. Isn't that right, Jared? Anyway, when you're in a little boat, it's a whole lot more scary. I'm going to tell you, I've also sunk a canoe. I figured that out. Canoes are easy to sink, right? All it takes is a little bit of wobble or someone messing with you when you're standing up and they just pull one of those real hard on you. You're in the water. I want you to think about a little boat the size of the pew you're sitting on. Maybe twice as wide, maybe three times as wide. And you're in a boat that is getting rocked by wind and the waves. But the boat you're in is about twice as large, or another boat that other people are in is twice as large as that. That's probably the boat Jesus was in, the bigger one. But there were other people in small boats out there in that storm clinging for their lives to the sides of that boat, hoping that they wouldn't sink. That is fearful. How many of y'all get seasick? Anybody in here get seasick? I hate and seasick, and I hope Nikki's not listening right now. She thought we were going to go on a cruise for our anniversary, and I was like, I get seasick, but for 20 years now, I've been like, yeah, we'll go on a cruise for our anniversary. Cruise is a big ship. She'd been planning this thing for 20 years. I thank God that my mother planned a family reunion that bumped our cruise for a while, because otherwise, I was going to get seasick. I'm still trying to figure a way out. Maybe we'll go out on a kayak cruise or something. That, that might be better. But boats, water, wind, waves, seasickness, fear. Why were they afraid? What, what did they think was going to happen? That they were going to what? Sink? Not just sink, but die. Some people do not want to be in a stormy sea. I've been, on, I've been on small boats when there's waves eight feet high. And it's kind of scary on sunny days. I can't imagine it in the dark with water crashing over the sides. They were afraid that they were going to die, which was evidenced by what they said later. Aren't you concerned that we're going to die? Aren't you, don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus had the plan to go. There were other people going through the storm with them. And I guess that's what I really want to speak to you on this point, is that no matter what you think you're going through, there's other people in smaller boats than yours, who are experiencing it worse. Remember that. Remember that. There's, there's folks out there that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what the situation is, health situation, financial situation, no matter what the, the social situation is, the business situation, whatever, someone has it worse. Someone has it worse than you. So when you hit that storm, what are you doing? Don't be fearful, but consider those other boats. I want to also tell you this. This is where the church comes in. Those other little boats have experienced storms before. There are other people who have been through the storms that you've been through within this church probably. They can help you through that storm as a brother or a sister in Christ to get to that other side. Anybody ever lose a spouse? Raise your hand. Yeah. Anybody ever lose a child? Raise your hand. Yeah. Anybody ever lose a job? Raise your hand. Yeah. Anybody, I mean, you could go on and on and on. Anybody ever lose a goldfish? Yeah, for a six-year-old, that's a big deal. But when you go through life and you don't know other people have gone through the storms that you've been through, you feel all alone, isolated, scared to death, ready to cling to the side. That is is nerve-wracking and gut-wrenching, and it creates the fear and makes it even worse. This is a pretty bad type of fear. I mean, think about this. you got professional fishermen who are scared to death for their life, and it's dark out at night in stormy seas, and your boat is taking on water. That's scary. That is a scary thing. These are folks at that moment, weren't remembering that Jesus said, let's go to the other side. While that wave was crashing over the side and knocking them down on the floor of the boat, these aren't folks that are sitting there going, well, it's going to be okay because Jesus said we're going to go to the other side. These are folks who were panicking. These are folks who have walked with Jesus for close to a year at this point. These were people who were invited to go with Jesus on this voyage. And now they are scared to death. How bad was the storm? The Bible says it was a great storm. Translated... It was a mega storm. It was a big storm that came down. Up in Massachusetts, we'd have said it was a wicked bad storm. That's the type of storm that it was. It was the type of storm that was great. It it rivaled no other storms. It was a big storm. That's the type of storm that it was. I want you to think about The storms that you face in your life. What's the biggest storm you've ever been in? I'm not talking about an actual hurricane or tornado, Sam. I'm talking about what types of storms have you been in? Was it with marriage? With a divorce? Was it with associates that you were tied up with that were going to prison? And you thought, oh. This could get to me. Was it whatever it was? What's the biggest storm you've ever been in? What's the biggest storm that you've been a part of? And when you look back at the smaller storms, they're not pleasant, but you go, yeah, it wasn't as bad as when this happened. I want you to remember that. What's the biggest storm that we all will face in life that that has the same thing in common? We all have one storm that's all in common. What is that storm? Death. And that's ultimately what these guys were afraid of. These disciples were afraid they were going to die. And that is the storm that we will all face. The storm that says, hey, the cancer's here and it doesn't look treatable. It's the storm that says, there's not much we can do for you. It's the storm that says, you got three months to live. It's the storm that says, I'm sorry. You're not going to make it. Each one of us is going to face that storm of potential death. All of the apostles did. And they weathered the storm because Jesus was with them through it. Every single one of us is going to die unless He comes back before then. Every single one of us is going to be faced with our own mortality. Some of you have diagnosis or have an age that says it's not going to be much longer. Others of you aren't even going to know when it blindsides you because it will happen in an instant, but it can't. I'm in my 20s. I'm in my 30s. i got plenty of time. Everyone is appointed a time to die. And then the judgment is what the Bible teaches us. That storm is going to come, and it's going to rock your boat, And it's going to make you afraid, but it doesn't have to. Why? Because who said we're going to go to the other side? Jesus did. Jesus said it. The other side of what? The other side of this life. And I want you to understand, if you are in the boat with Christ, you're going to make it to the other side. Just as you saw in the story. So the storm was great. And where is Jesus at this time when everybody else is helpless and hopeless and afraid and scared and going, we're taking on water, we're going to die. Where's Jesus at? He is asleep. And he meant to be asleep. How do I know that? Because he was laying on a pillow. Look at that. Laying on a pillow. When I get tired and I know I want to go to sleep, I grab a pillow and I put it there. I don't go, oh, I'm just going to nod off and let my head bob around in the boat. Jesus probably would have had whiplash. He'd have healed it himself anyway. It wouldn't have been a problem. He was intentionally asleep on that boat. Man, why? Because in him was the fullness of God. In him was the mission to get to the other side for a demoniac-possessed man. A demon-possessed man was on the other side of that lake waiting on them. He knew what was going to happen, and he rested... In the goodness of knowing that the Father had a plan and a purpose for His life and He didn't care. I don't care that the waves are going like that. I don't care that the wind is hitting and it's cold and it's stormy and there's a mist blasting me in the face. I don't care about that because I know the plan that the Father has for me and I'm not worried about it. Jesus could afford to rest even though that boat was a-rockin'. So, he was asleep on a pillow. And what do they say? Don't you care that we are dying? Don't you care that we're dying, Jesus? That's their question. Don't you think that maybe you ought to be helping us, Jesus? Don't you think that Maybe you could do something. I mean, we've seen you turn water into wine. Why not turn this water into into dirt where we can just sit still? Why can't you do that for us, Jesus? Wake up. Don't you care? Aren't you worried that we're going to die? And what was Jesus' answer? He wakes up. He wakes up from his slumber. Have you ever been at that point in your life, in that storm, whatever storm, big storm, small storm, where you just think, Jesus, how can you just let this go on like this? Because isn't that what they're really saying? Are you just seriously going to sleep through this? Have you gone through the stuff and the turmoil of life that's miserable, that's painful, that's hurtful, that makes you feel like, God, where are you when I need you most? Are you sleeping on me? Seriously? Are you tucked away in the stern of the ship, lights out? Because we all feel like that because our nature is to throw a pity party. Our nature is, hey, if I can't work this thing out and there's other people around me, pity party time. That's where I believe these disciples were. How do I know? Human nature. Human nature says, I don't want to die and I don't want to go down like this. We're all going to face that storm. We're all going to cry out to God at some point. And we're going to say, Lord, I don't want to go. Until you realize what's on the other side. I'm not talking about this story in the book of Mark. Until you realize and honestly believe and have the faith that there is something better on the other side, then this world doesn't matter so much and the storms don't matter so much. But you've honestly got to know that and you've honestly got to believe that your hope is in Christ and He's going to cross you over to the other side. It blows my mind how many people are so afraid of death i don't like pain trust me i don't like pain I'm not saying you need to enjoy pain but i've talked to folks and they are so afraid to die and i understand there's a timing issue on this i really do i know that people are afraid to die because they want to spend more time with their little ones i just i just had a child i can't I can't go now. I want to be with my grandkids. I can't go now. Just got married. Just got remarried. I don't want to die right now. But when the folks that you have that relationship with are entrenched and are rooted in Christ, does it really matter in the big picture? Does it really matter because one day they're ultimately going to be with you again. And to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And these guys, in that boat, they don't quite get it yet. They're fearful. They're afraid. But Jesus called them over to that other side. And now we look at the attitude that Jesus has, the response that Jesus has. Jesus wakes up, gets his head off the pillow, and what's he say? Peace be still. Three words. Three words end the storm. And sometimes I wish I could have them just say that to me in my life because I get worked up about stupid stuff. I try to make storms. I'm like the meteorologist who has bad weather TV ratings, and it's like, well, if we say there's a storm blowing in, we'll get better ratings. Sometimes in my own life, I see storms on the horizon that are nothing more than a small patch of clouds. I need to quit that, and I need to say, Tony, Peace be still. Don't stir the water up when there's nothing to stir up. Don't get scared in the water when it's stirred up. I'm in the boat with you. I'm going to escort you to the other side. Whether I'm resting in the Father's love and his goodness and his plan and his purpose, or whether I just want to rest in that peace, he rebukes the wind and the storm, and there is a great calm. A great calm was there. How big was the storm? It was a great storm. It was a wicked bad storm. And how great is the calm? Wicked awesome calm is what we would say up north. It's an amazing calm. The calmness after the storm is equal to the chaos during the storm. And that's what Jesus brings. Jesus doesn't bring and say, okay, the waves aren't going to be nine feet crashing in the boat, and I'm going to change them to seven feet. He says, the calmness will match the chaos. And in your life, you can remember that, that the peace and the joy beyond all understanding that he brings is greater than the chaos that is outside. If you will remember that, you'll do yourself well. You will find the joy and the peace in the storm. You'll be asleep with Jesus in the storm. But you've got to remember that. You've got to remember that. He rebukes the wind, and there is a great calm. And then, Jesus' response after that. Why are you so fearful? Can you imagine the looks on their face at this point? Literally, 12 seconds earlier, they are panicked and afraid that that someone's going to drag their bodies up at the bottom of the, lake, of the Sea of Galilee. Twelve seconds earlier. They wake Jesus up. Jesus wakes up. Peace be still. And instantaneously, whew, there is a great calm, and the sea is like glass. And Jesus says, why were you so afraid? Did you not feel the boat? Did you not hear us screaming? Did you not experience the chaos that we just experienced and the fear and the adrenaline rush that we had going because we were so afraid to die? Did you not get any of that? But what was all that for Jesus? Jesus? What was all that for God the Father? That storm was a lesson to draw them close. Well, that sounds sick and crazy. No. Not if they were never in danger of it. Let me give it to you in real life example the way you probably handled it yourself. As a parent you got a toddler in the house. And that toddler is, and they're walking towards a pot of boiling water on the stove. What are you going to do? And they're about to reach and lunge for it. What are you going to do? No, no, don't do that, honey. No, no. No, no. No! What are you going to do? Wha! You're going to pop that hand. You're going to tackle that kid if you can. You're not going to let that kid put their hand up on the fire, are you? No. So what, what lesson does God teach the disciples here? There are going to be storms that are going to come. There are going to be problems and issues in your life, no matter what that looks like in your life, but you understand if your faith is in me. Because isn't that how he answers them? How is it that you have no faith? Because the whole thing is a lesson about faith. The whole thing is saying you have zero faith, which is why you were so fearful. Man oh man, we get so scared about stuff that is so stupid. Anybody with me? We get so scared that we're gonna mess something up or that we want that we become paralyzed and we'd rather stay in a boat with a storm bouncing us all around, getting us sick all over ourselves because our faith isn't in Christ. Now, what did they first do? We don't know how long they went without waking Jesus up. But when they finally got to Jesus, what did they say? Don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're dying? What should they have said? Jesus, our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. Can you please help us? But instead, they cast blame on him. Like, don't you care? What if they said, Please save us. You remember the story where Peter and Jesus are walking on the water and Peter all of a sudden looks at the wind and the waves and he starts sinking? And what does he pray? Bible's shortest prayer. Lord, save me. And then the Bible says, immediately. He snatched him up and led him back to the boat. We don't call on God because our... Faith isn't in him. So often our faith is in doctors, our faith is in preachers, our faith is in man, our faith is in technology, our faith is in everything but Christ. And we say, Well, all we can do now is pray. You ever say that? Shut up. Quit saying that. That's how you're supposed to start. There are people this morning who are saying, Don't put me on the prayer list. But, this is what's going on. No, 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 no. no. Faith says, put me on the prayer list, Tony. I don't care who knows. Faith says, my marriage is busting up and I need to be on the prayer list. Faith says, yeah, I got some reports back from the doctor and they're not sure what is and what's not and this, that, and the other. Put me on the prayer list. Faith says, put me on now. Because he... Is the only one that can help. And y'all have Christ in you, and your prayers go up before the throne room of God as a precious incense that it, He loves to smell a sweet fragrance. But why don't we do that? Why aren't we vulnerable like that? Because of pride. Pride says, I got it. Pride says, it's okay. Pride says, we've been in storms like this, now I'm afraid we're going to die, but we're going to make it? What if their first instinct was to cry out, Jesus, save us? What if that was our first instinct? Jesus, church, I need you. But there's a couple things. Mention the pride. And then there's also, well, I don't know anybody. Everybody's got their own issues. Remember all these other little boats around? They, They all got their own problems. They got their own lives. They got their own issues. I can't be a burden to them. But what's the book of Galatians say? Take your burdens and bear one another's burdens. Allow others to bear your burdens with you in prayer. But you know what? We're so proud, we're afraid to let anybody know we got messed up stuff going on in our lives. We'd rather weather the storm ourselves, get sick all over ourselves, worry ourselves to death about, am I going to die? Am I going to make it? uh," Than to just trust in Christ and His Word and to follow it out. Why, how is it that you have no faith, is what he says. So how is it in our lives? I mean, y'all, y'all are here this morning. Y'all are at church. How is it that in your life you have no faith? What area of your life do you have no faith in? Is there any area, or are you and God just so close, like this? What area do you lack faith in God with? Should be no daylight between the two of you. And that's a hard place to get to. And almost nobody would probably say, oh yeah, it's just me and God and we are... But the reality of this is that if you are in Christ, you are indeed saved. You're in Christ. You're in the Father. There is no separation. Your soul and His soul fuse together forever, and He is going to see you through the other side, no matter what the other side is in your life. He's going to see you through to it in a peaceful, still, calm sea. These guys, they say, that last verse right there, they feared exceedingly. Why were they afraid? Think about this six foot, eight foot swells to glass like water at three words that Jesus spoke. He is to be feared. Who is this that controls the wind and the waves and the sea? Who is this? The answer is none other than God in the flesh. None other than the Father. And they notice That all creation obeys him. And he is worthy of their faith. He is worthy of their trust. And what did Jesus teach his followers? And it's a lesson that I hope you guys get from this book, rather from the storms in life that he has on the horizon for you. He says, this is me trying to teach you to stick close to me, to call on me, to know that when I say it's going to be so, that it is so. To know that when I say, I've got you and I'm crossing you over to the other side, don't worry about it because I have you. Now, does that mean it's going to be pain-free and without some big waves here and there? No, it doesn't. But it means that I am in the boat with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No one can separate us. And when your faith is in Him who is good, who is loving, who is kind, who is just, you can relax and know that the best place to be on earth is in the center of the will of God, even if it means that the storm is all around you. It's better to be in a boat with him in the middle of a storm than to be prepared on Satan's shoreline on a sunny day. Because that's where they were about to head to. Mark chapter 5 is all about a demon-possessed man waiting for them on the shoreline. But Jesus can change that too. This morning, I just want to ask you, where's your faith? Everybody got the right Sunday school answer. Oh, my faith is in Jesus. My faith is in the Lord. My faith is in the big man upstairs. But is it really? Really? Is it really? When you're in the storm, is it God, how could you? Or is it God, just give me the grace and save this situation. Just let me know that you're with me through the storm. Consider that. Consider where you are. Know that he's going to see you over to the other side.